we've been looking at the beginning of this year uh, a scripture that God has put on my heart for our church. I was going to preach about uh, the second or the third part of this scripture last week. We talked about it some. I'm going to go back into it some. But I wanted to just, well, I'll get there. I'll read the scripture first. Matthew chapter 3. You're going to hear this a lot. It's going to be in your crawl. It's going to be in your face. It's something that I believe God's speaking to me. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you not come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Um, A little bit on this verse, as a pastor, this verse is what I believe God has for his people this year. We've talked about it some. Um, We've talked about what the word fulfill meant. What, what Jesus is showing in this, when he talks about fulfilling, uh, things like completing, accomplishing, satisfying, saying that in due season, uh, that's what the fulfillment was. In due season, you reap a harvest, he says. The fulfillment is, uh, in some ways, the capacity in which you can be. The fulfillment, in other ways, is leveling up. And really, that's kind of where I'm at. I believe that God wants his people this year to move up. To level up, to go to a place with him that maybe they haven't been. And for some of us, we might say, hey, I'm just at like the first level and he just wants us to step up. I believe that God is speaking to us and and I believe that God is revealing to us that he desires to fulfill, to complete, to accomplish, to satisfy all righteousness. And we can't be righteous unless we're functioning the way in which God wants us to function. If we're not doing what God wants us to do, We're not functioning in a place of righteousness. Well, how can you say that? Well, see, we say that this thing is God is sovereign, right? We declare he's Lord. If we're not doing what the Lord wants, then we're not in the right position. If you're not doing what the boss is asking, you're not in the right position for the the, the job to be accomplished. And so for us to be living, for us to be doing, I believe that God, I'm praying that God is speaking to us about a position or a way in which he wants to use us this year. The word due season resonated with me as Tim was talking this morning. Um, I'm trying, Siri. She wanted me to try again. Due season. I believe God is speaking to us today because sometimes we use due season as an excuse. We say it's not the due season It's coming in six months, right? We say it's not the due season, but this season is a due season for whatever God's doing in your life. So there's a due season to plow a field, right? There's something in this season that is due. There's something in this season that God wants for you to be noticing. There's something, there's a season where we water. There's a season where we watch it grow. There's a season where we keep the the pests away. There's a season where we reap the harvest. There's a season where we enjoy the apple pie. But it's a due season. Every season is a due season. And I believe that God has fulfillment for every one of us this year. I believe he desires each of us to grow, to, to be stretched, whatever it is, this year. So the word that we had was to fulfill, to accomplish all righteousness. Last week we touched on it just a bit. Righteousness. What is this word? It's a big church word that we see. It's a big word that, that sometimes 
we define in our own ways that sometimes we're looking at. But what is what is righteousness? Like if someone came up to you and they said, Trevor, what's righteousness? There's what's the answer that don't don't answer me now because that's okay. Um, what's the answer that you're going to give them? Because this word righteousness, I said biblically, it's been a hard thing for people for a really long time. In the book of of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter sixty four. Isaiah is a prophet, and he's a prophet to the kingdom of Judah. And you know what he says to them? They think they have righteousness figured out. And do you know what he compares their righteousness to? He says, your righteousness is like filthy rags. That's Isaiah 64, verse 6, I believe. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. They thought that they had figured out what righteousness was. I believe what, what Isaiah was seeing at that time is kind of like what, what Jesus was seeing when he was here. Matthew chapter 6, he's warning the people, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In the season in which Jesus ministered, uh, the Jewish faith, they had Pharisees, they had Sadducees. The Pharisees were very prominent in the way in which they carried themselves. And what they did was they made sure that people saw their acts of righteousness. So what did they think was righteous? If you look in chapter 6, you'll see some things. Giving to people in need was righteousness. Praying was righteousness. Reading the word of God was righteousness to them. Um, uh, 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 Being able to recite the word of God was righteousness to them. Fasting was righteousness to them. All of these things were great, except what? I believe that what Isaiah said to the kingdom of Judah, Jesus is saying to the Pharisees of this day, your righteousness is filthy rags. Why? Because you're doing them to be seen by others. You're doing them for the wrong reason. You're demonstrating righteousness But there's something wrong in you. The reason why you're doing these things isn't the reason why God designed you to do these things. Why are you doing them to be seen by others? Because it feeds your pride. It feeds yourself. Like, you're you're praying, you're fasting, you're doing all these things. You're not doing them to be seen by the Father, but you're doing them to be seen by men. Just before this, he says... Don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus spoke these words, they were scary words. Because the ones in which the Pharisees were practicing their righteousness, I saw it. Jesus is saying to you, now you've got to do more than them, right? I mean, that's the way in which it could be perceived. The Pharisees were known for their acts of righteousness. The Pharisees were known for the the things that they did or the way in which they did them. And Jesus is saying to, to the people who will listen to him, your righteousness must surpass that. So obviously what Jesus is addressing then is something that I believe we still have to address today. There's a misunderstanding of what righteousness is. Like there's something in us, there's a disconnect in what is, what does it mean to be righteous? Well, I don't make, I don't, I don't commit sins. 
So for me to be righteous, I live a sin-free life. No. Graham, why are you saying that so confidently? Just because you live with me? You know, oftentimes we, we limit righteousness to what it appears as. Proverbs shows us what, what, what righteousness doesn't look like. Sometimes I, I see what it is and it helps me. The righteousness of the blameless makes their path straight, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. So righteousness is here. Wickedness is here. So what is not righteous is what is wicked. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. There's something about righteousness and evil, wicked, evil. Truly the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil uh, find death. And the Lord detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Again, blameless, it's one of those words that, that I think we want to make so simple. What does blameless mean? Well, blameless means no one can hold anything against me. Well, I tell you what, people held a lot of things against Jesus Christ. And in the eyes of the world, he wasn't blameless. Or else he wouldn't have died on a cross. And the perception publicly was that people had a lot to hold against him, but they could stir up the crowd enough to send a murderer away so that that he would be crucified. You see, sometimes we assume blameless means that, that we're perfect. We assume blameless means that, that no one can hold anything against us. But that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness begins with Jesus Christ. So there can be no source apart from Jesus Christ when it comes to our righteousness. Look at the way Paul explains it. So for by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. Now, what is he talking about when Paul writes these words? For by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. When did unrighteousness start? This is with Adam. This is what Paul's talking about. So God, remember, he created things. What did God say every day? He created stuff. He created animals. He created the earth. He created the sky. He created the birds. He created the fish. Every day he says what? It's good. He created man, and what did he say? It's very good. And it says he rested. There was a righteousness that existed in the garden. Things were right, Right? God was walking with Adam and Eve. God was having fellowship with them. They were in the garden. They were in this position of of, of where everything was right. But then what happened? Stupid happened. Man happened. Flesh happened. Sin came in and what was right was made unrighteous. What God created as perfect was now made unclean. And so what Paul is saying, by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in, the, in life through one man, Jesus Christ? So what's he saying? It was all broken. We had the law. We'll get into the law a little bit. That's what the Pharisees got consumed with. The rules. He said it was unrighteousness. There was unrighteousness that came through one man. There's only one man through whom righteousness comes. So just as 
unrighteousness, just as brokenness, just as that which doesn't work came through the man of Adam. Righteousness, that which is right, this plan of God has come through one man, that is Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Adam and Eve came. They made a mistake. Things were broken. God gave the law to reveal sin. It was a, it was a partial fulfillment of God's plan, right? They had an annual sacrifice for sin. They had an annual time where they could offer a sacrifice, atonement, through, Jesus, through, through, through the sacrifice of the priest. Jesus came, and, and what the Apostle Paul was teaching the early church, these are probably Jewish believers who understood the old, that that was incomplete. But what God has done is fulfilled it. It was the due season to fulfill all righteousness. So that through the trespass of one man, we were all made, the many were made sinners through the trespass of one man, right? But he said what? Through the sacrifice of another, the many were made It was a righteousness that was apart from the law. You see, there was brokenness that came. There was brokenness in our lives before we recognized what Jesus Christ had done. But when we accepted, when we received Jesus Christ, we've been made righteous. I love this understanding of righteousness because this understanding of righteousness is not dependent on what the outward things are. This understanding of righteousness is not really dependent at times only on my actions. This understanding of righteousness is completely rooted or rooted, depending on what part of the country you're from, in Jesus Christ. Greg, you're talking about how we talk, depending on where we're at. That's one word I've had to learn to change. We were rooted in Kentucky. You're rooted here. Too often we've made our righteousness dependent more on what we're doing rather than what God did. Too often we're making our righteousness more dependent on what others are seeing than the reality that Jesus Christ absolutely came. He died. He died for one purpose. That purpose was to bring the redemption of mankind. That purpose was to bring the righteousness of God into this world that we could live in the right position with him. That's it. Jesus had to be baptized by John. It made no sense. When Jesus is speaking these things, John's baptism, we talked about this just a touch last week, was a baptism of repentance. What did Jesus have to repent for? Nothing. But he said, I must do this to fulfill all righteousness. The plans of God are about to be accomplished. And I must do this even when it makes sense, even when it doesn't make sense, to fulfill all righteousness. Why? Because the Father said. The plan of the Father was that I would be baptized. What happens when he's baptized? If you read the story, there's a dove that comes down and pronounces this messianic role of Jesus Christ. This is my son in whom I'm well well pleased. It says as the dove comes down from heaven. I mean, there's something that God accomplishes in this. 
Our righteousness must, must be found in Jesus Christ. Paul addresses this to the church in in Philippi. Sometimes we put our confidence in the flesh. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. What was Paul saying? I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. What's he saying? He said, I was born in the right place. Again, this culture in which, which the writing to the church in Philippi, it's this blending of cultures that are happening at this time. There's Greeks, there's Persians, there's, there's people who are traveling, and all of a sudden we've got roads, and so there's more movement, we've got, we've got trade that's happening, so people are coming from all over the place. And the people who are coming from the wrong places were what? They were unclean, they weren't right, there was something wrong with them, they were Gentiles. Paul says, I came from the right place, and I did all the right things. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, he was faultless. I did everything the law said. But whatever were gains to me, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And being found in him, not having a righteousness that comes of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul would have been one, when he's talking to Jewish leaders, they would have esteemed him. He was well known, right? He was well known as Saul. They just would have had to change the first letter. He was the dude who persecuted the church. He was the one who chased him down. He was the one who was being groomed to be a leader. I mean, he, was, he, was, he had everything going for him within the Jewish faith. And he's saying to them what? That righteousness that was, was absolutely filthy rags. Right? It's garbage. What do we do with filthy rags? If they're bad enough, we just throw them away. They're rubbish. We'll say, no, my righteousness isn't where your righteousness is. Listen to me. My righteousness comes from one place. That one place that my righteousness comes from is Jesus Christ. There's nothing else about it. I consider all that stuff garbage because I need to know Jesus Christ. And I need to know what he did for me. A righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I might look at notes. The book of Romans, he explains this just a little bit further. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Can you imagine that? Saying to a bunch of people who've been doing, they haven't been eating bacon, for crying out loud. And I've been telling people you've been avoiding bacon for no reason. Like you talk about why he was persecuted. You mean I haven't been eating bacon my whole life? Because the law says I can't eat pork? And he says that's worthless? Therefore no one will be declared righteous by in God's sight by the works of the law. I memorized the Torah. I memorized we talked in Sunday school. Like I spent how many hours... uh, uh, combing through the law, trying to remember every jot and tittle in the law, and none of it means anything? What are you saying? 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our... See, the law was important. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. What's the law important for? It reveals sin in our lives. It helps us to recognize sin. Sin is the outward evidence of unrighteousness in us. So if I'm stuck in a pattern of sin, I better be making sure I'm in the right position with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? I, I wanna, I'll come back to that in just a minute. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. That was all meant to set the pattern. That was the due season preparing us for the revelation of Jesus Christ. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're all justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Romans 10, if you openly declare Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's righteousness. If you openly declare, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Righteousness begins with the confession of our heart. Not just saying, because see, that's the problem. A lot of times we have a righteousness that we give people. We have a false righteousness that we let people have because we say, if you confess Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people who outwardly project that Jesus Christ is Lord, but they don't believe it in their heart. Do you see what I'm saying there? That's not righteousness. Righteousness for us isn't simply someone saying a prayer. Isn't simply someone making a confession. Righteousness is found when we believe it in our heart. The belief in our heart is where that outward confession comes. But it must start with the belief in our heart. Too often that outward confession starts with the belief in grandma's heart. You know, just get her off my back. So I'll say Jesus Christ is Lord, so she leaves me alone. And we all celebrate and we all clap because we say, hey, everything's good in his life. But it didn't start in the right position. It was a false righteousness. Imitation crab meat. Do you know what's in imitation crab meat? There's no crab. It says it's fish paste, starch, sugar, egg whites, and crab flavoring. But someone serves you a crab cake made out of imitation crab meat. It has no crab in it whatsoever. Have you ever looked at the Walmart aisle on the cheese? Don, you might have some in your store. It says, it says cheese product. It can't even call itself cheese because it's not really cheese. Nothing in it's cheese, but we call it cheese because it looks like cheese. It melts like cheese. It acts like cheese. It tastes like cheese. So we're going to say it's cheese, but it's not cheese at all. You know, there's outward reflections of righteousness. They look like righteousness. They sound like righteousness. They, they smell like righteousness. They act like righteousness. But it's not righteousness at all because it hasn't started with the source that is Jesus Christ. It hasn't started with the belief in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That I was a sinner. That I was apart from the righteousness of God. That from the sin of man, the sin that came through Adam, it was revealed in my life that I was separated from God and apart from His kingdom. And no matter what I try, and no matter what I did, I couldn't find forgiveness, the fullness of forgiveness for that sin. But one place 
Jesus Christ who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That was the only place I could find my righteousness. And so I didn't just confess outwardly, but I believed it in my heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that death was defeated through Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart you're made right with God. Do you hear that? That's why Pastor just went on that really long tangent. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that's what's already happened into you. That's what's you revealing the product of what God has already done inside of you. That you're saved. As Scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. This is where I want to pause. This lasts for anyone who trusts in him. Now, now here's where blameless comes problem sometimes for believers. Because sometimes we have a righteousness that is based strictly on the outward evidences. And so what we've done is we've convinced ourselves that every time we screw up, I, I had a friend, I have a friend, we don't talk quite as much. I mean, he, he flat out believed you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but if you make a mistake tonight and, and you die making that mistake, that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And, and, and what, I, what I felt like from him was that he was under a, a, the, the authority of sin still. You see, Jesus said that we're not under the authority of sin, but we're the, under the authority of Jesus Christ. The reality is we should attain from the belief inside of us, the outward evidence should hopefully be sin-free life. Or when we see sin, we should want to change from it. But at times, guess what? Graham just confessed we all screw up. Not for himself, but for me, Graham. I'm saying for me, I screw up, right? And when I screw up, I'm still a child of God. When I screw up, I still have an opportunity for righteousness because it comes through a faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I'm not saying it's a license to sin. Paul says that. God's grace. Is it a license to sin? Should we go on sinning because of the grace of God? He says, by no means we shouldn't continue in sin. But the reality is, the reason I share this is there's so many people who disqualify themselves from the righteous plan of God because they messed up. We all screw up. Paul says at times I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. I mean, that's in his word. That's what Paul wrote. We all wrestle with this. But I've been made righteous in spite of myself. I've been made righteous. I'm no longer under the authority of sin. If I screw up today, I'm not under the authority of sin. I'm under the the promise of Jesus Christ. By By the trespass of one, we were made sinners But by the trespass or by the the life or sacrifice of another, we were made righteous. See, my righteousness is completely and totally dependent on the source. It's not me. Now, because I love him, I want to do what he wants. I'm going to talk about a righteousness of position. I believe there's righteousness in our position with God. I'm going to talk about a righteousness of purpose. Because we can't say that we believe in God and we've confessed him as Lord. Can you imagine? Um, we don't deal with lords anymore, so we'll just talk about bosses. Can you imagine when your boss says, go do this, and you say no? What happens? Well, it used to be you get fired. Any more people are desperate, they let you get away with it. But it used to be you get fired from that, right? I mean, when God has a purpose for you, he has a plan for your life, 
I believe that God has created us all with a plan, with a purpose. And there's going to be a season, I believe this season is coming, where God will speak to you to do things. Now, what's your response to him when he speaks? If you continually say no, I'm going to question your faith. Does that make sense? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's the big church word. What does Lord mean? They were the the slave master, basically. They were the one that was in charge. They said what you wanted. They said what they wanted, and you did it. Without complaining, without talking, you just did it because they were the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not some, like, church word, like, you know, we make it like this characteristic of God. Lordship, at this time, wasn't about this divine appearance of God. It was about, he's the one in control. He's the one who I'm, what? When there was a Lord, and you were under them, you were submitted to. There's absolutely submission in the righteousness of God. There must be submission for us to have righteousness. I want to talk about a righteousness that's based on position. We must be in the right place to do what God wants us to do. We must be able to do what God wants us to do when he asks us to do it. That's the righteousness of purpose. Because what happens? God created us, and he used an analogy for the body of Christ. Or Darn it, I just told you. He used an analogy for the church. What was it? The body of Christ. There you go. You guys are so smart. When writing about that body, what's the important part about a body? That each part does what it was created to do. And that each part is where it was supposed to be. And guess what happens in your body when the parts are doing what they were supposed to do? And they're in the place where they're supposed to be? What's a body do? It's pretty effective for the most part. Avery still struggles sometimes just because, you know, she's clumsy. But, I mean, for the most part. (laughs) Pray your parents don't become pastors. But when the body isn't in the position or fulfilling the purpose in which it was created, one part. What happens to the whole? The whole thing suffers. We all fall down. We all hurt. We're all not coordinated. Jim had to learn how to do certain things because he lost one and a half fingers. Don't use a table saw. Life was different for a while, right? What were we doing? There was something the other day, and he's like, I can't do that with this. Oh, button in his shirt. He said he leaves his shirt's button now. Don't talk to the pastor either, I guess, Jim. (laughs) Because it's too hard to button them because some of the pieces aren't where they're supposed to be. He can't pull them out of the freezer, weirdo. But they're not going to (laughs) work. This is why a pastor gets so excited about the promise of fulfilling all righteousness. Because I believe that as a body, when we're all empowered, when we're all anointed, when we're all serving, in which God has called us to do, when he's leveling us up and challenging us to do something new, it's because of the way he's orchestrating the body 
together. And, and, and it might scare you, but he's brought you to this place for a reason. And I believe that he's put us together as a church for a purpose. I'm talking Christ community right now, and, and I'm talking about the body of Christ even beyond that. And I believe that God has incredible things for the body of Christ. I believe he has incredible things for our church that he wants to come about. And in due season, as we continue to focus on a righteousness that doesn't come from ourselves, but comes from God, that he will cause us to work together to do things that we never dreamed possible. We might actually get to button our shirt this year. He might cause us to do things that we don't know. Things that are beyond us. Things that, that don't make sense in the flesh. Things that if you'd have told us that's what he was going to accomplish, we would have said no a long time ago, so we weren't going to do it. Ryan, I'm going to pick on you one more time. Last week, Ryan was sharing his testimony just of what God was doing. It was a fulfillment of God's plans. And when Nancy called him up to the front, what'd you say? That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> because oftentimes we start looking at what God's doing and we say, uh-oh. And we say, oh my. <laughs> and we say, not now. <laughs> and we say, later. <laughs> Let me process all this. But I want to get to a place. Even though Ryan was wrestling, he walked up front. Because he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. And as a body then, because of all the parts doing what God called them to do, why God asked Walt to bring towels and, and a change of clothes on Sunday morning to be able to tell the church that he was praying for them, why uh, there was a word of knowledge that came and, and an interpretation that came, why it spoke to Ryan when the Holy Spirit was speaking to him before here, or, or Nancy, or why when we got up front and began to pray, certain people felt compelled to share things that God had placed on their hearts. But as we left, there was something rich that God accomplished in us. And I want the rich things of God. I want the fullness of God. I want the fulfillment of God. He wants to fulfill all righteousness. You guys, I don't know if you want to play a song. You can play a song if you want. That's what they do. That's what they have to do. Jim says, yes, he's not singing though. As they sing this morning, um, we had a time to pray. I'll still be here to pray if you want to pray. But I really would encourage you to ask the question, like, God, what are you stirring in me? Last week we had someone come up to us after service, a, a couple of churches. They're not, they're not here this morning because of snow, but they said, God's stirring in us this. Pastor, what do you think of that? Well, let's roll with it. Let's do it. Like, let's see what happens. I believe that, that God wants to stir in you, that he wants to, to stretch you, that he wants to use you. And I'm going to ask that, that as we're here, just, just spend a moment and saying, God, what, what now? How? And see if he doesn't begin to speak to your heart about change that may be coming. If you say, Pastor, I, I need understanding of this whole righteousness thing, this whole first Adam and second Adam thing that comes through Jesus Christ. I'll be here to pray with you. But ultimately, I desire for you to hear from God this morning. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for the word of God, and I thank you for the way you put things together. And I believe, God, that this morning you're speaking to our hearts 
Father, I believe that this morning you're speaking to us and, and we all came out to hear the message today, maybe in some snow, that you can speak to us about your plans for our lives. God, I pray for a faith that starts with Jesus Christ. For an understanding that, that he's the Lord of our lives. That no longer am I attaining for a righteousness that comes from anything but him. God, I pray that there wouldn't be any imitation crab meat. But authentic demonstrations of what you're doing inwardly in us. You call that fruit. Pray for the fulfillment of fruit. For the product of righteousness that comes from us. For the outflow of righteousness, the right relationship with God that comes when we're in the right position, fulfilling the right purpose for this moment, for this season. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear. Pray that we would have the ability to discern what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have him sing this chorus and just encourage you to spend a little bit of time pondering God's desire to fulfill all righteousness. I want to just say this as a pastor. If God spoke something to you this morning, Find someone you trust and share it with. See, sometimes God speaks and we just kind of put it in our back pocket. And it becomes real easy not to follow through with it because it's just in our back pocket and no one knows. That's why it needs to be someone you love and you trust. Not to lord it over you, but to help you with that. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, that we can stand together, we can be accountable. We can be working. We can be praying for. So if, if this morning God was speaking to you about, about something, about, a, about a, a level up or a change, I encourage you to share that with someone. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may righteousness be fulfilled through Jesus Christ in you. Amen? Be blessed.